Welcome to Impact Church's podcast with Pastor Travis Hearn. Pastor Travis also serves as the team pastor for the NBA's Phoenix Suns and has served Major League Baseball as the team chaplain for over a decade. Today, he leads us with a powerful and hope-filled message. We're so glad you're tuning in, and we believe that wherever you're listening from, that God will impact your life through today's message. I want to start today by reading a scripture from 2 Corinthians chapter 5, verse 5, and here we go. It says, the Spirit of God whets our appetite by giving us a taste of what's ahead He puts a little heaven in our hearts so that we'll never settle for less. Today, I have titled my sermon, Nothing Less Than God's Best. How many believe that for your own life today? Nothing less than God's best. Look at somebody and prophesy to them right now and tell them, nothing less than God's best. Nothing less because God has a best for you. He has a plan for you. God has a promise for your life. You remember in Jeremiah chapter 29 verse 11, it says, for I know the plans I have for you. Would you help me read this verse? Let's read it together. For I know the plans I have for you, declares the Lord, plans to prosper you and not to harm you, plans to give you hope and a future. How many believe that today for your life? That God has a plan. I'm so thankful that God has a plan. And that plan is for prosperity. That plan is for hope and that plan has has good, the goodness of God just like written all over it. That doesn't mean we're not going to go through hard times. The word prosperity here doesn't mean God has a plan that will all be financially wealthy. That's not what it means. The plan is that we will be powerful men and women of God and that we will overcome what the enemy throws at us. I don't know if you remember the story of Abraham and Sarah in the book of Genesis, but God gives them a word. I don't know about you, but I love when God gives me a word. When God gives me a word, like that one was for me. Like if you've never had God give you a word, you should start praying, God, I want a word. And God gives Abraham and Sarah this word. And he says, you're going to have a son. You're going to have a child. And not only are you going to have a child, but I am going to make your descendants as numerous as the stars in the sky. I'm going to make you the father of many nations. He says in Genesis 13, and all the land, Abraham, look at all this land, all the land you see, I'm going to give it to you. And I'm going to give it to your offspring forever. And I'm going to make your offspring like the dust of the earth. Like it's going to be so plentiful that you can't count it. And what's crazy about this promise, what's crazy about this specific word from God is that Abraham and Sarah did not yet have offspring. They didn't have a seed, right? He's saying, 
you're going to have a child and you're going to have descendants that outnumber the stars in the sky. But they didn't have a son. They didn't have a child. In fact, Sarah was barren and couldn't even have a child. This promise from God, this word from God is an absurd word, right? It's an absurd word. It's an impossible promise. It's a preposterous promise. Like that promise seems insane. How could that possibly be God? A preposterous promise. I I looked up the word preposterous and it's defined as utterly foolish. It's defined as absurd, completely contrary to nature, reason, or common sense. I don't know about you impact church and what you want from God today. But for me, that's exactly the kind of promise that I want for my life. I want an absurd word from God. I want a word that sounds absurd in the natural. It sounds utterly foolish in the natural. It's a, it it is a preposterous promise. Don't you want one of those? Like a promise that you just go, are you kidding me? God right now? Could that even be possible? Am I the only one? Is it only like 14 of us in this church today that want a promise like that? Because those are the kind of promises that God gives. In fact, I've got a couple of those promises for my life right now. My wife and I have some promises, a promise that God has given us that right now, right now, at this exact moment, they seem impossible. Those promises seem preposterous. Those words that God has given us, the word seems absurd. It seems in the natural impossible. In the natural, they seem laughable, right? You remember, this is what happened with Abraham and Sarah. They said, God said, you're going to have a son. And the Bible says that both Abraham and Sarah laughed. They both laughed at the promise of God. That's how absurd that word is. Like, God, are you kidding me? That is the funniest thing I've ever heard. You're going to give me a, what? So at a hundred years old, (laughs) my wife is at 90 years old. That's when this promise is going to come true. I want to read to you these two scriptures in Genesis 17, 17. And then in Genesis 18, it says, Abraham fell face down. He laughed and said to himself, will a son be born to a man a hundred years old? Will Sarah bear a child at the age of 90? Have you ever felt like God gave you a promise that just didn't seem like it could be fulfilled? And then it says this, God says to Abraham, why did Sarah laugh? (laughs) Why did she laugh? Why did she say, can an old woman like me have a baby? But my favorite part of this is verse 14. Verse 14. Because that's what I want to hold on to. Is anything too hard for the Lord? 
Is anything too hard for the Lord? God says, I will return about this same time next year and Sarah will have a son. Impact Church, I'm asking you today. Is anything too hard for the Lord? Why would you laugh at the promises of God? Why would you question God's ability to perform and fulfill his promise? Is anything too hard? Nothing is too difficult for my God. And Jesus said in Matthew 19, 26, with man, this is impossible. But with, but with God. What does he say? All things are possible. All things are possible. Come on, tell somebody that needs to hear right now. Tell somebody they need to hear you tell them. All things are possible. All things are possible. And so, God, we open today. We come before you today, God, in Jesus' mighty name. God, we know that nothing is too difficult for you because you are the God of the impossible. So, God, give us preposterous promises. Give us promises that are so hard to believe that all we can do is laugh. God, I pray that today, even today, you give us an absurd word, a promise. God, a promise to cling to. God, a promise for that child. A promise for my husband. A promise for my wife, a promise for my marriage, a promise for my prodigal child, a promise for health, a promise for healing, a promise for freedom. God, give us a promise that is so absurd, it would be laughable in the natural. But God, nothing is impossible for you. So we live our lives as nothing less than God's best. In Jesus' mighty and powerful name, we all say amen, 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 amen. amen. Look at one more person. One more person you haven't looked at yet and tell them nothing less than God's best, baby. Come on, tell them nothing less than God's best, baby. I want God's best. I think about the first three rows want God's best. But like what I'm trying to tell all y'all is I want God's best. I want it. I want it. I want it. I don't want, I don't want second best. I want God's best. God's best for my life. And sometimes God's best, it takes a while. Sometimes God's best is over there and I'm over here. And the distance between here and there is a long time. The distance between Abraham and Sarah, you're going to have a baby till the time they had the baby was 25 years. That's a long time to wait. What do you do in the waiting time before you receive God's promise and after you've heard God's promise. That's what I want to look at today. What do you do when the promise has been given, but the promise is not yet fulfilled? 
What do you do? I want you to write three things down today because this is really what I want you to take home. Number one is don't settle. Don't settle. Say it out loud. Don't settle. Shout it out loud. Don't settle. Don't settle for anything less than God's best. Understand that God has a bar that he's set for you. And the bar is so high for your life. God put it there. And it is not your job to try to touch it and lower it. God put the bar there. Leave the bar alone. Don't settle for less than God's best. Don't settle. Don't settle. Don't settle. I I know it's hard. It's the waiting that's hard. I preached on this two weeks ago. It's the waiting that's hard. It's when I'm in the wait. It's when I'm in the valley. It's when I'm in the pass through. That's where it becomes incredibly hard. In Galatians chapter six, verse nine, the Bible says this. I want you to read it with me. Ready? Here we go. And we should not grow weary in well-doing for in due time, we will reap a harvest, not giving up. We are not giving up. We are not giving up. We are not going to quit. We're not going to toss in the towel. We're not going to stop marching in due time. We will reap the harvest for in due time. And it's hard to live in the for in due time moments of life. It is, it is challenging. It is trying to live in the due times, to, to, to try to live in the due times and live victoriously in the due times and not settle in the due times. Cause it's in the due times where I'm really tempted to settle. It's in the due times. It's in the pass through. Remember I preached two weeks ago. The pass through is where the power is. Remember I, I read, I read from Isaiah in chapter 43 and verse two. I'll read it to you again. He says, when you pass through the waters, I will be with you. When you pass through the rivers, they will not sweep over you. When you walk through the fire, you will not be burned. The flames will not set you ablaze. The, the power is in the pass through. Why is the power in the pass? When you pass through the water, when you pass through the river, when you walk through the fire, the power, the real power, the substantial power for your life, it's in the pastor because that's when you're forced to grow spiritually mature. That is where you're forced to develop a faith and a dependency that can only come from God. I'm in the pass through. I can't buy my way out of the waiting time. I can't talk my way out of the waiting time. I've got to cling to God. I've got to cling to Jesus Christ. And it's hard to live in the for in due times. It it will come to pass, but the power it's in the pass through. Listen, your testimony, it's birthed in the pass through. That's where your story about God's glory, it comes from the pass through, the waiting time, the for in due time. What I want you to understand, Impact Church family, is that there is an incredible reward that comes from waiting. 
There is an incredible reward, but it's way over there on the other side of in due time. But there is an incredible reward in waiting. Hear me. There's also an incredible cost when I don't wait on God. There's an incredible price that you will have to pay when you don't wait on God. When you jump the gun, when you become impatient, when you become so desperate that you try to take matters into your own hands. Don't act like you've never done that. You're like, God, clearly you need some help with fulfilling your promise. So let me help you out, God, because you gave this promise. So let me help you fulfill it because I'm impatient because I don't trust your timing. And it's in the pass through when I'm tempted to settle and I'm tempted to settle for less than God's best. I don't know. Most of you aren't getting all this. So I just want to, I'm going to, I'm going to say, I'm going to say it. I'm going to say it a different way. If you're single today and you're a woman, don't wait. I'm not to that part yet. Don't become so desperate. You know what I'm saying? Don't become so hungry. So thirsty. That you take the bar God put for you up here and you start bringing it down a little bit because I'm, I'm, I'm God. I'm in, I'm in a hurry, God. <laughs> Look at somebody and tell them, get your fingers off the bar. Get your fingers off the bar, man. Get your fingers. Because there's a cost when you don't wait on God. If, if. If you're a woman and you want to, one day I just, I just, God, and you settle for somebody and you love Jesus, but that man, you're like, well, he says he loved Jesus. The problem is you met him at the club, man. You know what I'm saying? You met him at the club. You shouldn't have been at the, he shouldn't have, but you're both desperate. And so you're at, (laughs) what he he said, he loved God. (laughs) Hey, the, the devil, the enemy would love for you to settle. In fact, the enemy targets you the hardest to settle when you're in the pass-through. 
When you're walking through, that's when he goes, it's game time, baby. That's game time. Because they're hungry for the promise. They're thirsty for the promise. So I'll give them a counterfeit promise. And I'm going to see if they'll take the bait. And I'll see if I can destroy their life. And that not only will it destroy your life. But when you settle, you're screwing up other people's lives. I got married. He don't love God. He's not a Christian, but he's such a nice guy. And then you have kids and then he doesn't believe in God and he doesn't believe in church and he doesn't believe in the power of prayer. It's all a fairy tale to him. And now you come to me because people all the time come to me, pastor, I don't know what to do. Will you pray? I don't know. What should I do? My husband's not even a Christian. And what I want to say that I don't say ever, but what I want to say is I want to say, hey, let's rewind the clock for a little while because I really can't tell you what to do now, but I could tell you what you probably shouldn't have done back then. And now you want me to fix your mess because you messed it up. That's what I want to say. That's not what I say. <laughs> and the devil wants you to settle and he uses the pass through the waiting times, the in due times to get you to settle, to, to lower your standard, to trade away God's promises for temporary pleasures. And there's a cost when you don't wait on God. There was a cost for Abraham and Sarah. God promised him a baby. I'm going to give you a child, but that was a 25 year Wait, now they didn't know how long it was going to, wouldn't it be great if God just told you, he gave you a promise and he was like, okay, here's the deal, dude. You're going to get, you're going to have this promise in your life, you know, eight years from now, 13 days and four. And we would be like, great, let's go. It would be like, it would be like God doesn't do it like that. He just gives you a promise with no dates. That's messed up. He just get, it'd be like kids. I can't wait. I got you some crazy, amazing Christmas presents. When's Christmas? I don't know. <laughs> Just be ready. <laughs> Just be ready. It's coming. It's coming. No, no. We know part of the excitement of Christmas and being a child is like, I know it's December 25th. That's when I'm going to get my presents. God, please God, just give us a date. Wouldn't that be a different deal? No, it wouldn't. Because what happens is God could give us a date, but then we would never learn to really trust in him and trust in his timing and take one step and walk by faith and not by sight. If we had a date, we'd be walking by sight, walk by faith and not by sight. And so God promised Abraham and Sarah, I'm going to give you a baby. He didn't say when. And so it turns into one year and I still don't have a baby. Two years. I still don't have a baby. Three year God. And the longer the wait, the longer you start to question everything about what God told you. Did he tell me that? Is that what he meant? Maybe he didn't mean that. Maybe he meant this. And this is exactly what happened with Abraham and Sarah. They went, maybe, maybe we know he gave us a word, but maybe he didn't mean it that way. I almost fell. Um, maybe. Will you fix that, somebody? Or you can just sit there and stare at it. I mean, it's fine too. <laughs> but maybe. I know, I know. Abraham's like talking to his wife, Sarah. He's like, you know what? I think maybe, maybe God meant that I would be the father of nations 
and it would be through my relative who lives with us. Who's like our greatest like servant and worker, Eliza. He's amazing. I bet that's what God meant. And that's not what God meant. God meant what he said. And he said what he meant. But the Bible says Abraham said to God, you've given me no children, God. So a servant in my household will be my heir. Hold on. Time out. Now Abraham's trying to tell God what it's going to be like. And we do the same thing. This is what it needs to be, God. This is how it needs to be, God. This is when it needs to be, God. And God's response. Then the word of the Lord came to Abraham. This man will not be your heir, but a son who is your own flesh and blood will be your heir. And he took him outside and he said, look up to the sky and count the stars. If indeed you can count them. And then he said to him, so shall your offspring B, and Abraham believed the Lord and it was a credit to him as righteousness. God is like, Abraham, no, it's not Eliza. Abraham, that man is not it. I said what I said. I said your offspring, your seed, the flesh of your body. Abraham, by the way, I do not need your help lowering the standard of the promise that I gave you for your life. I don't need you to try to figure out how to settle for less than God's best. But listen, there are many times in our lives where we decide our way out of God's promise. I'll say that one more time. There are many times in our lives where we decide our way out of God's promise. God, I'll help you fulfill your promise. Must not be what you meant. I heard what you said, but he must have meant Eliza. God, I'll help. I'll help you answer <laughs> my prayer. God, I'll help you do the miracle. And I, I have a question for you. Like, if God needs your help to do a miracle, what kind of miracle is that? <laughs> it's definitely not supernatural. It would be a natural. Eliza is a natural solution to God's promise. No, Abraham, it's not Eliza. I said what I said. It is going to be from your seed, your offspring. And listen, there's always a cost impact church. When you lower your standard, when you settle, there's always a price that you will pay. I guess the question we have to ask ourselves now is what price are you willing to pay? Are you willing to pay the price to settle? Because it might cost you your integrity. It might cost you your character. It might cost you your convictions. It might cost you your purity. Hello? It might cost you your happiness. It might cost your relationship. It might cost your future. You will pay a price. When you... Lower your standard. 
Maybe you remember the story in the Old Testament, also in the book of Genesis of two twin boys, Jacob and Esau. And Esau is the firstborn of the twins. And because he was the firstborn, he was promised that he would get his father's birthright. That was the promise. I get my daddy's birthright, which means his entire inheritance and his entire estate. And then one day, and then one day, the Bible says Esau's out working in the field. He works all day and he comes in the house and he's hungry. He's hungry. And Jacob, his brother's cooking up some stew. And man, it must have just been like, ooh, that smelled good. That smells. Hey, Jake, Jakey Jake, Snakey Jake, brother, brother Jake, can I have some of that stew? Jake knows. Jake's not stupid. He's like, I'll give you some of my stew for your birthright. Doesn't that sound like two brothers? You know what I'm saying? Like, yeah, man, I'll give you some of my homemade specialty for your birthright. Esau traded away his birth, his entire inheritance, his entire future for a bowl. Not like a bowl you can smoke, like a bowl of stew. Whoever's laughing at that, you have been some places in life. <laughs> How many you know that's like a bad trade? That's a bad deal. That's a bad deal. We don't make that deal. That's a bad deal. And we're all church folks. So we're like, yeah, freaking idiot. Like he traded his whole entire inheritance. I would never do that, but we do it every day. We do it every day. We trade the promises of God for the pleasures of man. We trade it away. And I'm here to tell you, never trade. Never, ever, ever trade the promises of God for the pleasures of man. Never trade a moment of pleasure for a lifetime of pain. I'm never going to trade a moment, a moment of happiness for a lifetime of hell. I'm not trading a moment of pleasure for a lifetime of regrets. I can't, I can't lower my, I can't settle. I can't get so hungry. So thirsty, so desperate. See, when you become so hungry, listen, you'll eat anything. And man, I'm hungry. Man, I'm starving for a relationship. I'm starving to get married. I'm starving for whatever fill in the blank is. And it's in that moment, the devil goes, I got something for you. And we're so hungry. That is, it's hard not to take that bait. Never, ever settle. Don't get so hungry, so thirsty that you settle, that you lower 
the standard that God has for your life. Don't get so hungry for the things of this world, for the flesh, for the lust of the flesh, for the lust of the eye, for the pride of life that you traded away. That you trade God's blessing away for the favor of God that could have been on your life because of fleshly desires. Don't settle. Number two, don't compromise. Don't compromise. Because what we do is we compromise and Oftentimes we compromise our calling. We compromise our character. We compromise God's plan, God's promise for our life. Because hear me, the waiting room, the waiting room, the pass through, the in due time. That's when the devil, the enemy tempts us to compromise. And that's when we're most tempted. It will challenge every ounce of patience, every ounce of trust and hope and faith. It's in the pass through that you start thinking about compromising what you thought God had for you. Maybe he doesn't. It's been a long time, man. I thought by now I'd be married. I thought by now I'd have a child. I thought by now we'd be pregnant. I thought by now I'd be living that dream that God put in my heart. I thought by now I'd have an open door. I thought by now my son would be set free. I thought by now my daughter would come home. I thought by now that this drug addiction would be over once and for all. I thought by now my marriage would be healthy. I thought by now I'd be healed of cancer. I thought by now, but I'm not. None of those things are not because I'm still in the due time. And because I'm in the due time, I'm tempted to compromise. Never compromise for anything less than God's best. God has a promise. I can't compromise the promise. Compromise, when you break the word up, is calm promise. When I calm promise, I'm, I'm lowering, I'm making a deal and I'm saying, wow, what God has for me is probably up here, but I'm going to pull it down a little bit and meet the enemy halfway. My wife and I, we've been married for 25 years. We're about to celebrate our 26th year anniversary on March 7th. On March 7th, we're going to celebrate 26 years together. You know, a marriage has a daily dose of compromise. Compromise is when Natalie and I, we both want something but I don't want what she wants and she doesn't want what I want. So we meet in the middle. But you know what? We meet in the middle, but it's not what either one of us wanted. I met in the middle for her and she met in the middle for me. That's compromise. When you compromise, it's not what you wanted. It's not what God wanted for your life. When I compromise, I'm lowering my standard. I am discounting God's promise for my life. I'm watering down God's promise. 
So Abraham and Sarah, they have this promise from God. But this promise, it's so absurd, it's laughable. And now not only is it absurd and it's laughable, but it's taking too long. It's taking forever. And the timeline of God fulfilling his promise led them to compromise. It led them to compromise. God, we heard you. And here we are. We're still waiting on you, God. We're still waiting on you. Maybe, oh, I know, maybe God's waiting on us. So Sarah's got this idea. Yo, Abe. Abe. Babe, Abe. I've got an idea. God must mean your seed. Your seed. He must mean your flesh. He must mean your offspring. So my best servant, her name is Hagar. Woo, she's a fine, like, woo, that girl. And you know what, Abraham, why don't you sleep with Hagar? And that's where, that's, that's how we'll help God. <laughs> And there's nothing really in between those moments because I'm like, I really would love to hear that conversation. Like, husband, sleep with another woman. Like, I mean, was he like, sure? I mean, I mean, why not? Let's try it. I mean, you know, for the kingdom, of course. I mean, you know. <laughs> so Abraham sleeps with Hagar and Hagar conceives. And the Bible says from that moment, Sarah despised Hagar. Your best friend can turn into your enemy in a hurry. When you don't obey God, when you don't walk in God's ways. And she despised her. And she despised her. And I'm sure it was jealousy and envy. And not just with her husband. But with the fact that this woman is now pregnant. And my husband's having a child. Can you imagine? This is like a Jerry Springer TV show. This is absolutely wild. Listen, if again, if God needs your help doing a miracle, what kind of miracle would that be? And so they have a son named Ishmael, who was born 14 years before the promised son, Isaac. So a couple years into it, they go, it's Eliza. That's what it is. Nope. 14, 15, whatever. That's 16 years. Oh, must be. Oh, let's do it this way. Nope. See, Ishmael was not God's promised son. He was not the promised son. And they had this child. What I'm telling you today is that compromise not only will cost you, but it will cost everybody that you love. When you compromise, it doesn't only cost you. It costs the people that love you the most. And here we are, Impact Church, 4,000 years later, from what I'm telling you, 4,000 years after the compromise of Abraham and Sarah, and it's still 
costing. It's still costing. It's still costing. The compromise still costs. And there is a never-ending tension in the Middle East. And Ishmael became the first Arab. And Isaac became the first Jew. And it is quite literally the tension and the conflict in the Middle East, the Gaza Strip, Palestine, Israel. This is where it all comes from. And then I was thinking, like, why do we even compromise? We compromise because we don't think God has better for us. We compromise because we don't think we can get any better. We compromise because we don't think that we can do any better. Look at somebody one more time and tell them, don't compromise. I always know when it's a heavy point because y'all just get real quiet. Real quiet. Don't compromise your convictions. Number three is don't lose hope. Because it's on that desolate road of in due time where you start losing hope. Man, I was so filled with faith when God gave me this word. I was so filled. It was an absurd word. It was a preposterous promise. Like it was hard to believe. Like there's no way, but like God just told it to me. And now God confirmed it in that verse. And he confirmed it in that chapter. And he confirmed it again. And he confirmed it. I saw it on a billboard, this scripture that was for me. I saw it on a wall in my house, this scripture that was for me. I saw it on a text message. Somebody sent me the same verse. I saw it on social media. I'm God's confirming it everywhere. And at the beginning it was like, man, I'm filled with hope. But now it's been 24 years. And you start to think like, maybe God didn't say that. Maybe God didn't mean that. Maybe I was just so hopeful that I thought he said that. And what I want you to hear today is. I want you to hear, never, never, never lose hope because there is a reward waiting. There is a harvest that you will reap. There is a harvest. God's best, it's, it's coming. God's best is coming on time. It will be on time. We serve an on time God. Have you ever heard that saying? God is always on time. Have you ever heard this one? God is never late. Have you ever heard this one? Unfortunately, God is never early. (laughs) He's on time. He's on time. See, see, Isaac had to be born at that exact God knew what he was doing there. This is, it's going to happen, but it needs to happen at 
this exact moment. Just like he knew in the eternal lifespan of humanity, he knew that you needed to be on this earth right now. Not a hundred years ago, not a hundred years in the future. God knew he needed you here right now because he has a plan for your life. And that plan was right now. One of my favorite verses is in the book of Habakkuk and it's chapter two, verse three. And it says, for the vision is yet for an appointed time. But at the end, oh man, come on, Lord, get us to the end. It shall speak and not lie. Though it tarry, wait for it. Wait for it. Wait for it, Impact Church. Wait for it because it will surely come. It will not tarry. It is in the pass-through, the waiting room. Those due times that they can start to mess with your hope. No longer that promise goes unfulfilled, the more doubts because we're human. The first sermon I ever preached, uh, I was 17 years old. I just got saved. I just gave my life to Jesus. And I was a 17 year old version of exactly what you see right now. Just, um, I preached this sermon and I'll never forget. I preached in a church in Mesa, Arizona. That's my first. Is anybody from Mesa? Raise your hand. You live in Mesa? There's quite a few of you. Yeah. Anybody else? Mesa, I don't want to miss you. Masononians? No, Masons? Mason? Mason jars? Anyway, I see you back there. I'm from Mesa! I'm from Mesa! I'm from Mesa! It's like three Christians and 200,000 Mormons. God bless you. We're glad you're here. Anyway, I'm going to get myself in trouble. I need to keep moving. Well, I preached at this church in Mesa, Arizona. And that's a long way. By the way, God bless you guys for making that drive every single Sunday. I, 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 I keep hearing about people driving from all over, all over. People driving from other states. I, I've been hearing people fly in. We've had countless stories, story, Chicago and Michigan and California, Northern California, Oregon, Washington, like all these people that fly in just to go to, just to go to church, just to do what you guys get to do every week. And, and that is crazy, crazy to me. I, there was one time my son and I were driving from Tucson. Anybody from Tucson? I would, no, don't shout. That's just... That's almost like, I mean, I am, but I don't want anybody to, it's not like a, like that's way over the top. Tucson is the armpit of Arizona. Let's be honest. And that's on, that's certain. That's like the North Tucson. Most of it's the butt crack of Arizona. It's, I know Tucson, my wife and I, I met Natalie and she lived, she went to U of A. I (laughs) know. And, but I married her and notice we moved here, not there. I just, you know, but we were coming back. My son and I from Tucson, we stopped in Casa Grande. (laughs) If you're watching online, that's a long way away. It's like, I don't know, an hour and something away or more. And we stopped it. It's the only restaurant that probably will be in heaven. It's Raising Cane's. And we stopped at Raising Cane's and... 
And we went inside and this girl kept staring at me, like literally just staring at me. Like she worked there. And I just want you to know, if you see me out in the community, I can feel that. Like, you know what I'm saying? Like I'm walking and you're just like, I would prefer you just say hi and get it over with. You're like, you know, hi, hi. And we just, we just, just keep moving, but you don't have to stare at me and you know, and so I did this, I could feel it. So I went like this. <laughs> I'm, she goes, I'm so sorry. I was tripping. You look just like my pastor. And I said, well, where's your church? And she's like, oh, it's, it's, it's like way out in North Scottsdale. <laughs> and I said, I'm your pastor. And I said, do you live here? And she said, yes. I said, you live? Yes. My mother and I drive every Sunday. And I was like, that's, that's, there's so there's not like not a church in Casa Grande. I mean, I mean like this crazy. And so then, so then another time there was a lady I met in the lobby and she lives in Maricopa. <laughs> I don't have anything to say about Maricopa. I don't, other than it's quite a ways away. Yeah. And I was like, you live in Maricopa. And I think it was like an hour. Is it an hour drive? It's an hour. Do you live there? Wow. God bless you. That's great. I love that. She said to me, this, 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 this lady, I said, you, you, you drive an hour one way to church. And she said, pastor, a church alive is worth the drive. She said, I, so anyway, back to the first sermon I ever preached. It was in Mesa. And I remember it truly like yesterday, I think because it was my first one and my sermon was called sweet to the soul. And it was called sweet to the soul because of what I preached on and I was sharing my testimony and I was talking about the power of a praying mama. For all you moms, never underestimate the power of a praying mama. My mother prayed me into the kingdom of God. My mother did that. My mother did that. My mother prayed me into the kingdom of God. And I'm preaching this sermon. And it might've been my first one, but you guys, it was freaking awesome. I mean, it was like, dude, I preached the paint off the walls and, <laughs> and I'm preaching and I'm sharing from Proverbs 13, 19. And it says, it says this, it says a longing fulfilled is sweet to the soul. 
And I stood there in that little Mesa church and I said, I don't know what you're longing for, church. I don't know what you're longing for. I don't know what dream you're longing for. I don't know what your marriage is that you're longing for. I don't know what situation you're longing for. I don't know what prodigal child you're longing for. I don't know what drug addiction you're longing to be free from. I don't know what healing you're longing from. I don't know what you're longing for, but God told me to tell you to keep longing because a longing fulfilled is sweet to the soul. It's sweet to the soul. And the longer the wait, the sweeter it is, baby. The longer the wait, the sweeter it is. It is sweet to the soul. The longer the wait. And then I closed in prayer and I said, if anybody wants to receive Jesus Christ and give their life to Jesus Christ. I would love for you to come down and I want to pray with you. And would you believe two people came down, a mother and her son, her college age son. And they came both crying and crying and crying. And he surrendered his life to Jesus Christ that day. And she was like, Travis, this is what I've been longing for. This. And I don't know about you guys. But I have some things I'm longing for. I have some things I'm longing for. I have some things and I know that you do too. But we trust God. We trust God and we know, we know, we know we're going to get through the four in due time. We know, we know that it will surely come and it will not tarry. Father God, I thank you for our church today. I thank you for our church family. Lord, we're thankful for you, for the cross for unconditional love that you're a God of new beginnings fresh starts it's not just that you're a God of second chances you're a God of a million chances that you love us in spite of us oh God how could we be loved anyway God how how could you love us anyway when we constantly lower the bar that you've set for us. Listen, if you're here today, you've never taken a step to become a Christian. You've never given your life to Jesus Christ. I, I, would, I want to invite you to do that now. You say, man, that's me, PT. I, I want to give my life to Jesus Christ today. I've been chasing the things of this world. I've been lowering the standards in my life. I've been settling. Listen, God stands at the door of your heart with his arms wide open and he's telling you to come home. He's telling you to come home. All you have to do is pray. Would you do that? Jesus, today I give you my life. You pray, Jesus, today I give you my life. Thank you for 
giving your life for me. Thank you for dying for me. God, teach me, show me, guide me on how to live for you. Fill me with your Holy Spirit. Baptize me with your Holy Spirit. Thank you for forgiving me. Thank you that you don't hold my sins against me. That the Bible says you remember my sins no more. That you cast my sins as far as the east is from the west, the Bible says. That you throw my transgressions into the depths of the sea. And God, I pray for those today who are in the pass-through. I pray for those that are walking in the in due time. Those who are in the waiting room, God. I pray that we can completely and fully put our hope and our hearts in you. God, that you protect us. That you guide us. God, that we never lose hope, that we never compromise, and that we never settle. Thank you for joining us today. If you said that prayer and accepted Jesus into your heart, it's the best decision you could ever make. We want to celebrate with you and get you more connected. Visit impactchurch.com for more information about our church and how you can get plugged in here with us. Be sure to subscribe and share today's message with your friends. Thanks for tuning in, and we can't wait to hear how God has made an impact in your life.